This is Jesus speaking here, Matthew chapter 6. He's uh, actually preaching the three greatest sermons in all of the New Testament following the Beatitudes. Chapter 5 goes into chapter 6, and he just starts breaking down heavy revelation. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now listen, he is not suggesting, these Greek words are not a carefree, pie-in-the-sky, que-sera-sera attitude towards life. That's, that's not what he's espousing. I just want you to know that's not what the original language says here. He's talking about the commitment to take things onto your shoulders that were never meant to be your load. This, isn't, this is why I tell you not to worry and carry these loads worrying about everyday life. Rather, you will have enough food to eat, enough things to drink, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? Wouldn't God surely know that? Isn't the body more than clothes? And come on, somebody like nice clothes out there, somebody like new kicks, somebody like new workout gear. Come on, just come on. It's okay, raise your hand. It's, it's not saying you can't like new shoes. It's just saying there's more to life than shoes. So he says, just look out here through the glass windows today on the bayou. Look at the birds. <laughs> they don't plant, they don't harvest, and they don't even go put their food in barns. <laughs> Yet God who created them knows he needs to feed them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worrying, can all of your fear and trepidation, all of your anxiety, can it add one single moment to your life? Why worry about these things? Over worry about these things, your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field. Anybody seen a lily, a spring lily lately? How they grow. They don't even make their own clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, he was never dressed as beautifully as the lilies of the field are. And if God so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers, listen to me, that are here today, and when you're in this Louisiana rain drought, gone tomorrow, <laughs> thrown into the fire and burnt, certainly won't he care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? Not done. Just want to work on that for a moment. You know, that, that's hard for us when Jesus makes statements like that. We, we've got this picture today of this loving, kind of non-masculine, kind of wimpy, weak Jesus. That's, and, and, and while there is that unconditional, compassionate, loving, nurturing, mothering side of God, there is also another side of God that is contrary and in opposition to all of those things. Jesus is, is confronting us a little bit here. And it's okay to be confronted with truth of Scripture. Why do you have so little faith? Listen, you've got faith. He's not saying you don't have faith about some things. He's just saying, why is your faith so small that you've only got faith to believe for these few things? And, and listen, I don't know how you feel about preachers around the nation, and really it doesn't even matter to me. I'm not necessarily endorsing or opposing any one of them. If I ever say their name, just to be politically correct, but uh, I believe it was Joel Osteen that used to say years ago, it takes just as much faith to believe for a big miracle as it does for a little miracle. Why do you have faith that your light bill can be paid? Why do, why do you have faith you can put gas in the tank? But why do you not have the same faith that your dream of your heart, your tomorrow, your ambition, it can be accomplished? That what, what, what he's challenging, I mean, he's not saying like, I don't love you. He's not saying like, you're not my disciple. He's not saying like, you don't have faith to breathe air and live. He's just saying your faith is so limited. It's your, your mind, your belief, your viewpoints got you so boxed in. You can't believe for the big things that I really want to do in your life. Now, again, this isn't carefree. <laughs> I heard this statement this week. <laughs> And, and I'm not knocking anybody that's there. Anybody ever heard this statement, living off mailbox money? Anybody ever heard that, living off mailbox money? Now listen, that, that's not like just, you know, people that are on government assist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people that have invested wisely, people that have bought, people that, people that know what they're doing. They've created wealth. They've got passive income. And they really don't have to work much. They manage and the mailbox money comes in, right? How many of you want to be there? I want to live off mailbox money too, right? Not knocking mailbox money. He, he, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. <clears throat> Help me, Holy 
Spirit. Life is not meant to be lived in a way where somebody else takes care of you. That, that, that's not what Jesus is espousing. Je- Jesus is espousing here that this faith that he wants us to have in God's provision, the God that created us, the God that knows we have to live and eat and drink and be clothed, the faith that it takes to believe God for your mere meager existence, it takes the same amount of faith in that same God for you to flourish and to live abundantly. And, and you can get to a place in God by working hard, by dreaming, following ambitions, aspiring, that one day your life can be a life lived with relative ease. But nowhere in this is he saying, live carelessly, hippie-ish, if you will, (laughs) and Pastor Todd gonna pay my light bill for me. (laughs) That that ain't what he's saying. (laughs) You, You understand that? I mean, there may be times that the raven brings you bread. There, there may be. How many of you have had God do that for you in your life when, when miracles happen? But at the same time, you're going to see in this passage that Jesus is trying to show us hustle, grind, strive, push, build, dream, believe, hope. And one day your life, can, it takes the same amount of faith. One day your life can be at a place where you live that dream. You, you can but so many people have read this and just said, I'm going to live off that, that mailbox money without doing that, not doing that front end work. <laughs> can't do that. Can't, can't do that. If you want the back end, you got to do the front end. Right? You want the harvest, you got to get out there and put the seed in the ground. Right? He, he's espousing both. But here's our tendency as humans, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? We're so dominated, so consumed by these small things, they steal the big picture. He says, don't you know that these dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, people that don't even have a relationship with God? But your heavenly Father, He knows everything you need. Trust Him for the little things. Have hope and faith, grind it out. Work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on him. Even though the war horse is prepared for the day of battle, the victory comes from the Lord. It's my job to still put the saddle and the bridle and the bit in his mouth and get out there and report on the battlefield. God's responsibility to bring me the victory. Pastor Joseph's favorite verse, prayed it over our students last week. So here's what he said. Here's the answer. Here's the conclusion of the matter. I'm going to preach in this style this day. He, he throws all these complex thoughts, really gets you intellectually churning. And then he says, here's the action point. Here's, here's what you do to make a difference. He says, learn to seek the kingdom of God above all else. And while seeking the kingdom of God, he will teach you to live righteously. And then all these things that you need, he will add them to your life as he sees and when he sees fit. Here's where we get in trouble. Us with anxiety issues. Okay, I'm going to borrow a little bit of that from you right now. (laughs) So don't worry about tomorrow. Again, he's not saying live careless, lively. He's not saying live case or, oh, somebody else going to handle that. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has sufficient troubles on its own. Today has enough trouble for you to focus on. I think it was uh, Hank Williams, my boy Cody Brown, going to love this. <laughs> Cody, where you at? What did Hank Williams say? If you mind your own business, <laughs> you won't be minding mine. <laughs> mind your own business. If, if, if you would worry about you today, your life today, your family today, your relationships today, your money today, your dreams today, your aspirations today, your retirement today, your future today, your children today, there would be enough for you to stay focused on. You wouldn't have to be focused on me. Amen? Or oh me. I know there's a lot of preaching in that. Some of it I'm not going to get into today. But Father, I just simply pray that 
again, people's hearts and minds and thoughts would be churning this morning thinking, where are we at? Be confronted in some senses. But God, at the same time today, I pray that the heart of this message, which is, is, is challenging, it's, it's pastoral. Sometimes I come in and God, it's, it's like giving people a, a shot in the arm and they just get so excited to jump up and take off. And other times I come in and, you know, you've given me a word that's challenging and it's pastoral and it's, it's soul searching. And, and God, I just want to handle that um, with honor and respect and, and love and compassion because those, those conversations are hard for me to have with you. They're hard for me to have when people bring things like that to my life. And so, God, I just thank you for the joy of pastoring these people, preaching your word, and I pray that your word would do the work today. Grow and change perspectives and hearts. Make us more like you. Free us from this bitter trap the enemy throws around us, a snare that ensnares us and pulls us into toting loads that you never intended for us to carry. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you love on Pastor Chad Foreman this morning? Let him know you love him. Back to Pastor Joseph this morning. He came in to, um, I guess we call it the green room, but it really was a conference room this morning. And uh, he, he came and he was, I guess, getting his stuff out of there. And he was like, Brother John, I love you. Ready to hear the word of God today. Let's go to three services praying for you, Pastor. And, and, and he's like, from me to the pulpit, from me. He's like, from, and he's shouting me down. And uh, when he left, somebody says, man, you and him would be a hard emotional and vocal conversation to keep up with. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you are exactly right. Poking a little fun at both myself and Pastor Joseph this morning because we're both emotional. I got any emotional people in here? I, I just, just again, want to say something about emotions that's from the Bible. The, the Bible says if, if we don't learn to control our emotions, then, then it likens us to a city with no walls. There's just a whole lot of coming and going at all different angles, and, and it's going to lead to confusion. Again, to quote a great quote that, that Mike Tyson said years ago, uh, he, he said that if you don't learn to control your emotions, if you don't learn to control your thoughts, you will end up being a prisoner to your emotions and your thoughts all the days of your life. But at the same time, I want to bring um, a little bit of enlightenment to or a little bit of value to why we have emotions, why we have feelings. You know, our feelings are indicators to us, like when you stick your hand on the hot stove that, hey, that's hot. Hey, hey, this relationship is, is feeling this way. That, that feeling is an indicator that you are either perceiving wrong or receiving wrong. You got to check both sides of the equation. Feelings, or let me say it this way, emotions are given to us by God. We are emotional creatures. We are made in the image of God. God has emotions. He, he's not emotionless. I, I think about in the story of Genesis, and I don't want to get too deep here on you this morning, but when God looks down right before the flood and he says, I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost like the writer paints this picture that God's pacing the floor in heaven, like what in the world? I am so regretful and sorry that I made man. I mean, God's emotion, his, his temperature on the thermostat of the vehicle, it was pretty hot at that moment. Now, the psalmist crowd, God, please don't discipline me while your emotions are hot. Note to parents, probably not good to get a hold to your children when you're up there about 80 or 90 degrees. Hello? Got to bring that back down a little bit. Hello? The psalmist is crying out, God, I know you have emotions and I know you're upset, but if you're going to deal with us, let things cool down a little bit. Emotions are given to us by God. They make us like God. I love being emotional. I, I love having big feelings. I, I love loving deeply. I, I love running at 99.9 .9 miles an hour all the time. I love it. Emotions are given to us. Dr. Courtney Brazier gave this to me 
and said that emotions are given to us by God to put us in motion, to to put us in motion. Let's talk about some of the, the words that I've introduced today. Fear. Here's how we can describe fear. It's a negative, short-lasting, high-alert emotion that alarms us to danger, real or perceived. That last statement, whoo, is a mouthful. How many of you, if we just slow it down for just a moment, have, have, have in your life, you're, you're mature enough, you can, you can admit it, I misread the play. I, I misread the, I, I perceived that this is where they were coming from. I perceived this is where we were. I perceived this was the situation only to find out a day, two, three years later, whatever, when you finally got the guts to reconcile (laughs) that you weren't perceiving you were being deceived. (laughs) How many of you know your emotions will lie to you? Your, your, Your mind will run off with you. You, it will take you into things you, you can avoid one very small conversation with somebody that's like this big, and that sucker will get so ginormous, it'll separate even the best of friends. When it's just so much easier just to say, hey, let's, let's, let's sit down and, and talk. We're not working this out to be friends. We are friends, so let's, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. Let's chew the fat. Let's iron sharpen iron. Let's, let's get some sparks flying. Anxiety could be described this way. It's an emotional characteristic or an emotion characterized by the feeling of tension. Woo, anybody ever felt that tension? You ever felt it when you walk in a room? (laughs) That person, that situation? (laughs) Can I tell you, I have have been the person with that tension. I'm gonna borrow a little bit of it from. (laughs) And I have been the person that I knew made other people tense. And I can tell you, I didn't feel it when they felt it. (laughs) It's, it's like drinking antifreeze, expecting it to kill the other person. Whew, don't drink the antifreeze. It's this feeling of tension. It's these worried thoughts. It's, it's honestly motivated from a concern that things are going to change. It's going to get out of your control. What if I can't control that anymore? What what if I can't control her anymore? What if I can't control him anymore? What if I can't control the business anymore? What if I lose my place? What what if I go from here in the pecking order to here in the, what if my status, what if we start feeling this anxiety, this tension? Again, sometimes real. Sometimes things are shifting. How, How many of you know God will move people out of your boat? that ain't going where you're going. Some people are meant to be in your lives for seasons. Never, ever, ever does the scripture say you have the the right to mistreat those people, to to handle them unlovingly. It just recognizing the fact that my mama was my mama until I became a man. I, I don't need my mama to be my mama. I need my mom to be grandma. To, 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 I, I don't need her to wash my clothes now. I, I, don't, I don't need her to drive me to football practice anymore. Things change. Sometimes relationships change. Sometimes people move around in your life. Sometimes people, and it's God. And some of us are barring tomorrow's trouble, holding on to control, trying to keep people and things in our lives that God doesn't want in our lives. And the reason we're on anxiety medicine or depression medication, I mean, hold on, let me me reel this back. (laughs) Is we think we're God. (laughs) And, and, And here's the memo you gotta get today. God is sovereign, but God is not a puppet master. If, if your view of God is that God is, I mean, listen, this is going to seem so hard-hearted to say this, and I don't mean this hard-hearted at all. I'm just going to borrow it because the sting of it will prove the point. What happened to that precious family in that traffic accident this week 
was not God pulling strings in heaven. God did not cause that. That was not pre-assigned by God. That is, God in his sovereignty is not challenged by the fact that he gave us free will. And if you lived a life where God was the ultimate puppet master pulling all the strings, you would not know freedom and choice and joy and happiness the way you know it today because you would only be living out what was already predetermined by radical sovereignty from God. That's not true. However, we, the lowercase g, gods, little gods, created in the image of God, Aren't we like God's, Jesus said, want to take a nature and become like God, believing that he controls it all, so so should we. He doesn't, and you shouldn't. Mm. Preach on. Yes, sir. Worry. The thought process that mulls over. How many muller overs do I have in here? That thought process that mulls it over. And all of a sudden, it starts giving power to those fears. You start getting those high alert signals. It's it's perceived. All of a sudden, you start borrowing tomorrow's trouble. You start being laden with anxiety. You start feeling that tension. You start having stress and panic attacks and hyperventilating. What if I'm out of control? What if I can't control it? What if it all falls apart? Am I meddling? Listen to me. Here's what I'm trying to build that up for today. It's a battle to overcome the grip of fear. It's a battle to move out of the way and let God be God. It's a battle to have victory over fear, to have battle over anxiety, to have, to have victory over worry. I know firsthand. I'll never forget going to a men's retreat. And man, these, these and it, you know, I like the retreats. Anyways, let me just, just move on. Um, <laughs> And, and these guys, they're getting up, you know, I'm cheating on my wife. I'm ringing the bell. I'm getting it right. <laughs> and they, we clap it. Ah! And I'm like, whoo, whoo, I don't know if we need to be clapping. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, they, and they was confessing everything, which I'm like, great. I love it. I do church like that every Sunday. I hate y'all wait to have a retreat to do that. We do it every Sunday anyways. But hey. Everybody's like, this is, I'm purging my soul. I'm getting all this out. <laughs> and I got up and I went over there and rung that bell. And they was like, oh God, what the pastor finna mic drop, finna drop a bomb in here, lose everything. <laughs> I said, here's what I'm giving up. I moved home to plant this dadgum church and I've been trying to build it. I've been trying to carry it. I've been trying to fix it. I've been trying to hold it. I've been trying to manage it. I've been playing chess with people and leaders and banks and budgets and bottom lines and boards and bylaws and people. And I was like, I j- ain't even in the starting block, Hollis Conway. My friend Hollis Conway, would you and Miss Charlotte please stand up this morning, please? This is, a, this is an Olympian right here. Come on, you guys put your hands together for Mr. Hollis and Charlotte Conway. Known them forever, was their daughter's youth pastor. They're down in Lafayette now. He was here for years, worked with FCA. Uh, gold medal, silver medal, silver and bronze, high jump, high, high, seven, ten and a half. That brother jumped seven, ten and a half. He said, how's the church going? I said, well, we're just coming in stride. He said, pastor, you ain't just coming in stride, playboy. You are mid stride. Y'all are rolling. I said, no, no, no. We just in the, he said, we ain't in the starting block. And I said, no, actually, we're not even to the starting block yet. The starting block starts when we get to 5800 Frontage Road. I'm just trying to get the horse in the gate. Anybody ever seen him trying to get them thoroughbreds up there? I'm sorry. I grew up a center, y'all. I went to Louisiana Downs when I was 13 years old. I was betting money. <laughs> we was riding home in the big stinking Lincoln. I'm counting my money in the back with my mama and dad. I was betting on horses at 13. They trying to get them thoroughbreds in the gate, and they're running them up there as fast as they can. And them thoroughbreds get to that start gate, and all of a sudden, them suckers go crazy. Throw the jockey off, run the other way, jump into the metal gate. That's what I felt like. You thought I was on a rabbit trail. That's what I felt like. We're like six months in. 
I'm at that retreat. I went up there, I rung that bell. I said, I'm letting this thoroughbred go. I'm not trying to manage this anymore. I'm not trying to hold it together. I am so stressed out, so worried. If I go eat with this person, if I talk to this person, if I answer this phone call, if I miss this funeral, if I don't make this hospital visit, if I link up with this organization, if I do take this money, if we do give this, if we do support that. I said, I'm stressed out the game already. No, sir. Giving that back. Ding, 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 ding. I rung the bell. Either you want this to happen, God, and you're going to make it happen, or I'm going to die trying to be you, and I'm not you. I got to let it go. I started letting it go, and people started getting frustrated. Well, I just don't feel like you care. I just, why, why are you not concerned like I'm concerned? I mean, why are you not sleeping? Like, you're not sleeping, now you have it, and I'm not sleeping. I'm mad that you're not sleeping. I'm sleeping, so you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stressed out like you. Stop being mad that I'm not. Does everybody get my point? Make a statement here. Woman in adultery. Whether it was fixed or whether it was true. We all know the parable. Look at her. Look and see what she did. Where's the guys? What I want to know. Was it all set up anyway? I mean, I'm just saying, Jesus over here writing in the dirt. <laughs> He gets up, he says, he says to the lady, he says, where are they? She said, I don't know. He said, well, I don't have, I'm not going to accuse you either. That's, uh, I came to seek and save the lost. Con condemnation isn't my ministry right now. That's, there's a day of accountability, but right now I just came to seek and save that which was lost. And he says, but, word of advice, <laughs> don't go back out there playing with the same sin no more. <laughs> right? He tells her that there is a possibility to live in victory over the things she's been trapped in. You, 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 I, I'm just trying to tell you that there is, there is the opportunity and the possibility to mitigate or even eradicate the fear, stress, and worry that you've been toting in your life. God wouldn't call us to be free from this to live in victory over this if it wasn't real. Jesus is like laying in that. Okay, I'm going to just. Here it is. Fear, anxiety, and worry. You know they affect you mentally. <laughs> Your friends and family members, they know it affects you emotionally. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, it's also affecting you physically. But more importantly, I'm just telling you, Hebrews says if you don't address it, It'll become a root of bitterness, and it'll affect you spiritually. And the Bible says, the enemy's not happy with it just affecting you. It'll defile many around you. It'll, 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 it'll bankrupt your spirituality until you're not happy, until you spew that bankruptness onto the lives of other people around you and bankrupt them spiritually. I wrote this this way on purpose. Shared this, or I should say shared this this way on purpose. Just, just put point number one up there for me, media booth, if you don't mind. <clears throat> I was talking to a friend this, this week, ain't gonna say no names, <laughs> and, and they said, my anxiety, it's where I got this thought from, <laughs> my anxiety. Kaylee Winkler, what, what's the very first thing that goes through your mind when you hear the statement, my anxiety? <laughs> It's like, like cheese and a cheese grater to me. I'm like, don't you be claiming that. That's like saying, my COVID. <laughs> huh? My cancer. Lord, no. Hello. Uh, no, 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 no. Power, life, and death in the tongue. You, I'm not saying you're going to speak it into existence in your life. I'm saying you're going to speak it so much, you start thinking you got it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, you can lie enough till you start to believe the lie. You're going to convince yourself you're an emotional basket case when you really don't have to be. Hello. My anxiety, Jesus says further down in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, I'm going to break them down for you, reveals what I value. Listen to me. My anxiety reveals what I value. Miss Felicia, I'm going to use you for just a moment. Is it okay about the job situation? Okay, so Miss Felicia has been a speech 
pathologist for 18 years at the same school. Do you value your job? Absolutely. Do you love what you do? And the people. You know, they say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Amen. I, I love what I do. Everybody else is like, it's work, work, work. It's, it's not work. All right. At the same time, when I talk to you, when, I, uh, when an, a sudden change, an abrupt change came to that, sure, you've got retirement, sure, you're tenured, sure, you've got pension, sure, there's a lot invested in that. Not trying to be nosy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they tell you change is coming. You had some anxiety. Just a little, right? Just a little. It's because you value your job, right? You, you, does anybody feel that anxiety over your children? Anybody feel that anxiety over good things? Now watch this. I'm trying to show you something. You can place value on things that do not need to be valued because the world has said value this, because the culture of today has said value this, because you bought into some lie years ago that said value this, and you're allowing anxiety in your life over things that you shouldn't value. Huh? Right now, ask yourself, what is a value I have in my life? What is, what is something that I value that really don't make a rip? Just, just to be honest. All right? So, so I like to use me in these tough situations instead of you because I can't get mad at me. You get mad at me. Um, I ain't going to say no names here. Anybody know what season we're getting close to? Okay. All right. Just, just checking. Just, just making sure. <laughs> pastor sabbatical. <laughs> I can't find the pastor. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> he deer hunting. <laughs> he didn't answer his phone. Oh, I know he ain't answer from me neither. <laughs> He deer hunting. It's deer season. <laughs> All right? So, you know they got a police force that walks around in the woods and checks out your camouflage and makes sure they write you a ticket if it all don't match. <laughs> Todd gets a ticket every time I take him hunting. That's what I got on different color. Broke ass, Carhartt from the 19th, have on blue jeans, under some kind of red toboggan from Alaska. I'm like... I ain't even taking you hunting with me looking like that. You can't even ride my truck. <laughs> so I'm in a building meeting the other day. I ain't going to say no names. I ain't going to say no names. I'm in a building meeting the other day. Whew. Trying to write a big check. It was so big I couldn't, even, I couldn't even write the check out right. I had to write the check three times. They said, you ain't used to writing checks as big. I said, nope. <laughs> and my phone goes off, and it was a link to Sitka gear. I ain't gonna say no names. And they coming out with a new line of camo. <laughs> now I got just about every other one they got. <sighs> Lord, it feels good to confess my sins. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I said, the last thing I need right now is to place some value on this new camouflage line. I got enough to worry about. And I said, I don't care. And the text came back and said, you know we got to get it. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh my God. <laughs> that afternoon I went home, I wasn't thinking nothing about that hunting clothes. And then I started thinking, what if he get that hunting outfit before me? <laughs> <laughs> and I got a little anxious about it. <laughs> got a little anxious. I was like, what if I drive up in the parking lot and he's wearing it before I am? <laughs> I ain't going to say no name so you can stay married. <laughs> it's about four ladies in here. They're going, oh, I know. It's, it's one of them four. So anyways, I'm confessing my sin. <laughs> that would be something in my life that right now I don't have to value <laughs> Right? You, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just me. Just me. What about you? 
But if I allow, put that, put that thought back up there. If I allow that to become very important to me, John Trainer, does that make a hill of beans to you? Does that make a hill of beans to Oaks Church? Does it, it? But for me, that could become so real that I feel like it's a rat race to keep up with the Joneses, right? And that can create tension. My anxiety reveals what I value. And listen, there are things we value that we need to value. Your health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your family, your relationships, your business, your future, your dreams, your aspirations, your walk, your witness, absolutely value those. But there may be some things, if we look in this today, that, that you don't really need to value. And they could be the source of some anxiety in your life. I'm, I'm going to just give you a couple of thoughts right quick. Write these down because I want to move on to number two. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. None of us in this room can serve two different sets of values. None of us can serve two diabolically opposed sets of values. Your flesh and God's spirit have completely different value systems. Is, is that a good way to say that today? <laughs> Do you know who I am scared of in this room? <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm just kidding. To, to a point, you know, to a point, yeah, bro. But listen to me. She, she would come right here and she would tell you, no, I have seen him at a place where he wasn't scared of me. I, I think Charles Brown could tell you that. Todd could tell you that. Rhonda could tell you. You know who I'm scared of? Me. I'm, 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 and I don't mean that like I'm, I'm just telling you the, the depravity of your heart it's unsearchable, man. I, I've been there, done that. You have a value system, if you're not careful, that is different from God's. And you're going to live in this tension all the days of your life trying to embrace one or the other. You know what I made up my mind I value? Just, just on, now, now listen, I know somebody will say, two weeks from now. I bet he buy that sick again. <laughs> so I ain't saying I won't. I ain't saying I won't. I ain't saying I won't. I ain't gonna be the first to get it. <laughs> be the second or third, so it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what really matters? Okay, has anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? You ever heard of the will of life? If I asked you right now, Tell me how many priorities are in your life. Most of you would say somewhere between, between 10 and 25. Zig Ziglar puts it forward, scientifically fact-proven that no human being is capable of taking care of more than six areas of your life. You need to pick the six most important areas of your life. And here's what he teaches. You need to aspire to be above a five in all six of those, and you will live at a 95% effective rate above society around you. Most of us are a 10 in fitness and a two in our marriage, a 10 in our hobbies and a one with God, a 10 at our job and a zero with our children. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Pick the six that are important to you and your spouse, you and your family, and in the course, not of one day, but in a seven-day cycle, which God created, in seven days, make sure that you gave adequate time to be at least above a five in all six of those areas of your life. And you will live at a 95% effective rate above the world around you. Here's what's critically important to me. Love God. Love people. Change Northeast Louisiana. Now, that don't mean I'm not going to deer hunt. That don't mean I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to find somebody to love, find somebody to witness to, find somebody to invite to. In all of that, love God, love the world. Love God, love people, change Northeast Louisiana. 
pick you something that you can say, these are my values. You want to bar tomorrow's trouble, be anxious? Make sure it's about something that has good values. Don't bar tomorrow's trouble, be ridden with anxiety, fear, and worry because you're valuing things that don't really amount to a hill of beans. Action. Here's what I want you to do. God calls me to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety by shifting my focus from the temporary to the eternal. I'll give you three areas. Your life. Do you live your life focused on today only? If you do and you're not saving for your tomorrow, your life is out of order. If you're not looking at the legacy you will leave to your children or your children's children, you are not looking at life from the view of God. If you are not looking at your life that one day, even as a believer, you will stand before the Bema seat and give an account for what you did in the body, good, bad, right, or wrong. When the flaming, fiery eyes flash from the presence of Jesus and consume everything of our lives, wood, hay, straw, and stubble. And the only things that will come forth is those things that are done with purity and mercy and godliness and grace. And they'll come forward as rubies and jewels and a crown that we'll wear in eternity. If you're not living your life in reference at some point to the fact that I will stand before God for eternity, you don't have a biblical view of what your life really is. Your money. The Bible literally says, now listen to me, this is where you think every preacher in the world is going to stand up and say, give more to the church. If you want to give it to the church, give it to the church. We're making sure we're doing good stuff. But the Bible says that we can use our money here on this earth to influence eternity for other people. And that is put in a bank account in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal, moths do not eat. Or rust does not destroy. What you do with your money in this life matters in the next. <clears throat> relationships. Today, tomorrow, eternity. The relationships I have, are they well today? Am I taking care of them for tomorrow? Will I spend eternity with these people? How can I tell you I love you and I don't want to see you with eternity? How can I say I care about you and I don't want to see you have what God says salvation is for humanity? Number two, throw this up there right quick. My anxiety reflects my view of God. My anxiety reflects my view of God. My anxiety reflects my view of God. Make this simple. Pastor Chad, would you please come? We know what God did in our past. How many of you got a past? How many of you have seen God do something in your life in your past? Amen. How many of you have God working right now in your life? <clears throat> Thank you, Dr. Courtney. You know what your fear, worry, and anxiety does not include in your future? The grace of God. You know what he did. You know what he's doing. But when you start worrying about tomorrow, you don't know how to factor in the grace, the mercy, the love, the protection, the compassion of God because you're not God. I'm not God. And so you start thinking about tomorrow. You start thinking about what if God does it? What if he, what if they leave? What if it falls apart? What if, what if, what if? Okay, and if it does, watch this. Here's, here's the real deal. What, I'm going to use me. What if Oaks Church doesn't work? What, 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 what if? I mean, I'm just, I used to ask myself, I used to stay up like, golly, what if, what if? What if? just use Pastor Ronald. What, what, what if we broke, we can't do Gulf Shores? Bless. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. What if we can't do the biker's blessing? What, what if we can't do the toy run? What, what, what if we can't do the backpacks? What if we can't pay staff? What if we can't build a beer? What if? What I used <laughs> Okay. Charles, this one's for you. Miss Charles Brown. 
I was reading my Bible. Man, I wish I read this forever ago. <laughs> I mean, I live in a barn, but it's a nice barn, okay? And I'm happy. I used to not be. And I say, what if we never build a house? What if I, what if I don't build this house? What, what if? And I was reading my Bible one day, and the Lord said Solomon built that temple. It took him seven years. And then it says Solomon built this house, and it took him 13 years. And the Lord said, I wish you quit crying about a house. I waited. I made Solomon wait 13 years. And you only waited two. Shut up crying. I said, I... <laughs> what if? It don't work. What if? God said, you may end up in Dale hiding on a feed store. I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to be alive. I'm still going to have a family. I'm still going to have a walk. I'm still going to know the Lord. I don't know how to factory. I don't know what he would do. You don't know what he would do. I don't know. You don't know. Well, what I'm telling you is when you start getting overly anxious, fearful, and worried with intrepidation, you're not factoring in the grace of God. And it tells me what your view of God is. It tells me while he may have worked in your life, you don't trust him to work in your life. While he may have done things in your past, you don't trust him to do things in your future, which tells me your view of God is predicated off your theology of God. And there ain't one of us in here that got a perfect theology of God that can confine him what he will do and what he won't do. Your faith has got to get to a place. Your, your belief, your hope in God's got to get to a place. That not what if, but even if. Not, not what if, but even if it don't work. Even if I don't. Even if it falls apart. Even if they leave. Even if God's still going to be God. And last time I checked... God is okay I know we reached lost people that didn't grow up in church but I'm gonna need some church folks to help me right here God is okay wait a minute God is God is what God is good and God is good all the time what if it don't work so God is good and he's good up. What if the relationship falls apart? God's good. What if she leaves? What if he leaves? What if it goes bankrupt? What if it shuts down? Even if it does, God is good. And he's good all the time. I'm borrowing anxiety over a situation I've created in my mind, a mind that is not infinite, and a mind that can't factor in the complexity of the goodness and the grace of God in my future. What I want you to do, what's the action? Here it is. God's calling me to overcome this fear, this worry, this anxiety by keeping my focus on his faithfulness. He's been faithful to me today. I'm going to trust him for his faithfulness tomorrow. When those thoughts come up, hey, I'm in the here and now. He's in the there and then. And I know he's going to be faithful to me for eternity. What did I do with my money today? Did my money make a difference today? Will it make a difference tomorrow? And will it make a difference in eternity? Pastor I served under years ago used to say this. And whew, I didn't like it when he said it. You know, obedience isn't obedience from people around you if you always do what they want you to do. You say, why do you bring that up with money? Will you still help people standing right there on the street corner? I ain't helping now. They going to the crack house. That crack ain't going to eternity, but you give them them $20, it's going, baby. Don't matter if they bought crack or vodka. What I do with my money today, what I do with my money tomorrow will ultimately make a difference for eternity. 
What am I doing in my relationships today? God's faithful. He's working it all out. I trust him to be faithful tomorrow. I trust him to be faithful for eternity. Fear, worry, and anxiety, they're not new. I know that it's a new conversation. They're as old as mankind. The Bible's full of these stories. My hope and single intention today is simply this. Help all of us see the causes of these anxieties in our lives. Ultimately, here's what's got to happen this morning. Right now is the time. Solve for this. Some viewpoints have to change. Our faith has to change. Our hearts and minds have to change. The anxiety that we've claimed, my anxiety, it can be mitigated. It can be eradicated. There's another way to live. You can be free. You can have peace. And I'm going to tell you two simple steps this morning. Just two. We'll do two more next week. Number one, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to ask yourself, what do I value? What do I value? Because what I value brings anxiety in my life. I can dump half the load. Excuse me. You can dump half the load of your anxiety right now by giving up some values that don't make a hill of beans to God. By, by being mindful of, of borrowing values that bring anxiety attached to them tomorrow. None of us are perfect. I still do it. You'll still do it. But I want you to have, I think in, in, in therapy, they call it cognitive thought. I, I want you to recognize, hold on, wait a minute. I'm just going to borrow some anxiety here when I put value on this. And my peace is more important to me than their values. I would rather have peace. I would rather have a good night's sleep. I would rather have freedom then place value on that or it or them or they or this or that. So what do you value? Is there anything right now in this moment you can say, you know what, I'm just letting that go. I just, you know what, there's some things that we as a couple, we as a family, we, we I personally, as a business owner, I need to let those things go right now and immediately right now in Jesus' name. If you truly let it go, don't pick it back up. I believe some anxiety just dumped off your plate. Second thing is very simple. I just preached about it for 20 minutes. What's your view of God? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God is loving? Do you believe God is faithful? Do you believe God is merciful? Had a great conversation with a banker this week. He quoted this scripture to me. What did Jesus really mean when he says, God desires mercy above your sacrifices? Do I believe God is merciful even to my enemies? Do I believe God is merciful even to those in opposition? Do I believe God is merciful to my family? Do I believe God is loving towards our future? Do I believe God is for me? Or am I so in the cockpit of the driver's seat of my life, I'm trying to puppet master, micromanage everything, keep everybody in place, keep everything in place, keep everything under wraps, everything under control. And the reason I'm so stressed out, the reason I'm so worked up, the reason I'm so emotionally overwhelmed right now is because somehow I have made myself God. And you know what? I'm just going to step out of that place today. <laughs> Ask God to step in, and I just trust that if he's in, he's good. He's merciful. He's faithful. He's kind. He's compassionate. He knows what's best. He has my best at heart. And right now, may that anxiety just fall off. Just fall off right now in Jesus' mighty name.